Friday Freaks. My name is Alyssa Canova, and this is my podcast. Um, Welcome to it. This week, I discovered something that I think is going to change my life, and that is podcasting laying down. That's right. I'm reporting to you as I'm laying on my bed, and it feels so good right now. How is your September going? Is it flying by? Because same. And while I'm excited for Halloween, I do worry that it's just going to fly by like it always does. But, you know, I'm very excited for the spooky season and I'm excited for everyone to get all festive and get on my level. Um, But to help ease you into our, you know, holiday season, I wanted to share with you some of my tried and true favorites. Um, For those who don't know, this is a podcast where I share with you two horror movies that I watched this week. My credentials being that I've just been watching horror movies for forever and I've always been fascinated by the genre and I love to info dump to people who don't care, but hopefully you care a little bit. Um, Last week when I had Bryce on the pod, he got me thinking about found footage films um, and how they probably are one of my like favorite horror subgenres. Um, like I genuinely love all the VHS movies, though I have not seen the most recent installment, so maybe we'll do that on the pod one day. Um, but like paranormal activities and even those like ones where it's just like a screen grab of like the laptop the whole time, like unfriended. I love that shit every time. So this week I thought I'd revisit a couple of my old favorites, Creep from 2014 and Cloverfield from 2008. Is that when it's from? Yeah, 2008. Okay, so let's start with Creep. I, um, like I said, this came out in 2014. I saw it a couple of years later when I was in college, and it had like already become an instant classic. Like this is one that people recommend all the time, and they're just right. It's good. Um, the there's only a cast of three people, one of whom we just only hear her voice. Um, but Mark Duplass takes the lead. And he is so perfectly cast. Like, he is the creepiest motherfucker you've ever met. Like, he's just so good at it. And he gives everything. It's just like, it's, it's, it's so real that it's like, it's like, I feel like I've been on a date with this guy and he's like talked to me about like being in therapy and on the one hand you're like oh he seems like self-aware on the other hand you're like this all feels very manipulative and weird <clears throat> so anyway that's like this guy's whole deal basically so we start um this guy is driving he's filming himself he's driving like into the mountains just talking to himself saying that he was commissioned to do some filming for this guy but he doesn't really know why um so he pulls up to this driveway and he walks up these steps to the front door of this house with this yellow door and he rings the doorbell there's no answer He walks back down. He sees like an axe that's just like in a tree stump. Um, He goes back into his car. He tries to call the guy. Doesn't get any answer. So he just like leaves a voicemail. Um, So he's waiting in his car and the guy (laughs) just like pops up by his car window. Just like scares the shit out of him. And he's just like immediately very creepy. He hugs him when he gets out of the car and he, he leads him back into the house Um, He calls it his family vacation home and 
he says that basically he's a cancer survivor, but now the cancer has spread into his brain. So he's got a brain tumor. He's only got a couple months to live and he wants to do basically like a my life film for his future son, uh, just in case he dies. And so he gives him a hug, he gives him a high five, and then he starts running upstairs to get in the tub. And the camera guy is like, um, do I follow? And he does. So the guy is upstairs in his bathroom, undressing, getting into the tub. The guy is like, okay, this is welcome to your first tubby. And he's like, I used to have tubby time with my dad. And it was a very special bonding time for us. So now he's in this tub naked acting like he has his baby in the tub with him so he's like he's acting as if he's like holding a baby like dipping his feet into the water pretending to like smell his feet pour water on his head shampoo his hair and then he like lays back and he like puts a rag on his chest like he's like holding a baby and he's just like there are candles and then he's just drifting off and then he looks into the camera and he says that he can't stop thinking about it, the fact that he's going to die in a few months and how he could just, like, end it right now. And then he he slips himself under the water in the bathtub, and the camera guy, like, zooms in on his face until he just, like, bursts out of the water and is like, I'm sorry, that was a joke. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) This guy's vibe, he's like... I just... I don't even know how to describe it. It's just so perfect. Like, he's he's just creepy like it's you know the title of the film like he did it he did everything right you know and it's very captivating um so anyway he gets dressed and they decide that they're gonna head outside so he tells the camera guy that he can borrow a jacket from the guest closet and when he opens the door there's this wolf mask on the top shelf and it's just like a wolf mask with like long like gray curly hair and he like freaks out and the guy his name is joseph he comes in he's like oh you found peach fuzz um this is uh just like a a wolf mask that my dad used to wear um and he would use it like even though it's like scary it's supposed to like be calming somehow it it's totally not but he, he puts on the mask and he starts like singing this song his dad used to sing to him about peach fuzz the wolf and it's just very very unsettling um and then he grabs him a couple of matching hats and it's like twinsies and then they they head outside and joseph is driving and they're driving him to a little like pond near like a creek or whatever that's supposed to have healing properties for those who are pure of heart right So they park, they're hiking through the woods for a bit. And then at one point, you know, Joseph is just being weird the whole time. And at one point he just runs away. And then, um, you know, the camera guy can't find him. And then he like jumps out at him and scares him half to death. And he's like, I scared you, didn't I? That's like, it's like what having a near death experience was like. And I could tell when I jumped out at you that you wanted to kill me. I could see it in your eyes. And they're walking some more and he's like... Do you have anything you want to make peace with? And the camera guy is like, well, I have an X. And he's like, you have an axe? He's like, no, um, an X. And he's like, oh, I have an axe. Did you see it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I saw it. And he's like, when you saw that axe, did you think I might kill you with it? 
<laughs> uh, no, dude, of course not. Um, anyway, so he says that they've arrived. We see this marker that says like it's a sewage pipeline, and Aaron is Aaron, who's the camera guy, is like, um, okay, it doesn't seem right. And also, do you like know how to get back? Because we've taken a lot of turns. And Joseph is like, no, not really. Like, not concerned at all. Um, and so eventually they arrive, uh, Joseph gets to this lookout point and he sees this little crater that's like in the shape of a heart. So they climb their little selves down there and they, they stand in this like little heart shaped pond and they rub the water on each other's faces. And then, um, after they do that, Joseph decides that they're going to go out for pancakes. And so they're sitting at this little diner. They haven't even ordered yet. And Joseph asks, uh, Aaron, the camera guy, he's like, have you ever done anything that you're ashamed of? And he turns the camera on him and Aaron tells the story about how he used to like pee his pants a lot. Um, he just would like, he knew he had to go, but he just wouldn't go. He was a kid. He just cared more about playing or whatever. And so his mom like got him this like mail order device from TV that like put a sensor in your pants and then like a thing that like ran up through your arm and basically it would like beep when you peed yourself um and so he like peed himself and this like alarm stop starts going off and he's just like laying in a sandbox at the playground while this like alarm goes off and he said that he was really ashamed about that so joseph is like okay cool can i have a turn (laughs) and so we turn the camera back around on joseph um and he's doing something like on his phone and then he turns it around and we see that he's he has these photos of Aaron when he had driven up to the the cabin the first time and walked up the steps like there are photos of him doing that and he's like I took photos of you and Aaron's like why would you do that and he's like I don't know I suppose I was just nervous you know I'm really sorry I shouldn't have done that I wouldn't have done that if I knew you like I know you now and I'm just like really ashamed that I did that and Joseph is like, or no, Aaron is like, okay, well, you know, I forgive you, I guess. And by the time they get back to the house, it's gotten dark out. And so Aaron is like, you know what, I'm just going to head out. But Joseph is like, I wanted to like pour you a whiskey. And, you know, come on, we were going to celebrate the day with each other with a little nightcap. And, you know, Aaron is clearly not into it. He just wants to go. And and Joseph is just standing like halfway up the porch and he's like backlit by the porch light and you can't even see his face. Very creepy. Um, but he obliges. He goes up with him. Um, but of course, like Joseph, like sprints up the stairs in front of him. And then by the time Aaron gets up there, he just like pops out at him because he just... You know, he is not stopping until this guy's just pissed his pants, I guess. Joseph asks, like, why he took the job. And Aaron was like, well, I guess I needed the money. And Joseph was like, you having money problems? Like, nothing to be ashamed of. You know, I I can give you some money. I've amassed a lot of wealth and I want to be able to help you out. Um, and you know, it's just, it's a very uncomfortable conversation because it's like, it's a job. Obviously he came because of the money, but this guy is now just being extra weird about it (laughs) so when Aaron finally like starts to get up and leave Joseph is like I lied to you and he like covers his mouth like he's like so ashamed and you know Aaron's like about what and Joseph says peach fuzz 
the like the wolf mask um and he says he needs to get something off his chest and wants him to like put the camera down and turn it off because like this video is for his son and his son does not need to hear this because yeah it's about to get real fucked up um but of course he like he turns the 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 film off but the audio is still going um and he says that he did something really bad four years ago um their internet connection him and his wife's was like really slow so he went to go like check the browser history and what he found was a lot of animal pornography on his computer and he confronted his wife about it and she denied it and he was like I knew it was her because I wasn't looking at animal porn um and one time they they came up to the cabin together um and he found the wolf mask and he left and he came back to the house wearing it. He like broke into the house, tied up his wife. Um, and when she woke up, he said that apparently they had ravenous animal intercourse. And he left through the window and he left her tied up. And they just never spoke about it again. And his wife just like acted like it didn't happen. And it's just very creepy. And then he ends it by saying, Aaron, I, I raped my own wife. <sighs> so... <laughs> Now we're back with the camera on and we're like saying goodbye. Um, he wants to like film a final shot for his son and Aaron is like just ready to go. But he's now he can't find his keys. And Joseph is like, I want to do another take. And listen, if you can't find your keys, you've been drinking anyway. You should really just you should really just stay the night because I don't want you to get pulled over and, you know, arrested or, or whatever, even though like he insisted he have this drink. So Anyway, he, Aaron decides that she's just going to pour him another glass and he, he stealthily puts something into Joseph's glass, presumably to, you know, make him fall asleep. And Joseph like falls asleep on like the fireplace. And as he falls asleep, he starts like moaning and touching himself and saying peach fuzz. Um, and once he like finally passes out for good, Aaron like starts looking through his pocket for his keys but he finds Joseph's phone and it says it's Angela. And, you know, Aaron knows that that's the name of his wife. That's the story he just told. His said, he said his, his wife's name was Angela. And so he answers the phone and he's like, listen, this is, this is Aaron. Your husband hired me to film him. And Angela is like, like we can tell she's freaked out, but she's trying to remain very calm. And she's like, I suggest you leave right now. My brother has a lot of problems and you should just go ahead and leave. And he's like, I don't have my fucking keys. And he's like, give me the address and just start walking away right now. Okay. And he's like, am I in danger? And she's like, my brother has issues, but you're going to be okay. Like she's like <laughs> very concerned for him. And also we know now that Angela is not his wife, but his uh, sister. And it's just... Very upsetting based on the story we just heard. Um, so he gets off this call and he goes back into the living room and Joseph is not laying where he just was. So now he's like wandering through the house looking for him and he goes outside uh, through the screen door. And of course, Joseph is just like pops up <laughs> at him. Um, but he's just he's very serious, very morose. And he's like, death, it's coming. There's nothing we can do. And I don't want to die. And he starts like crying and hugging him. And he's like, you're such a good friend. I love you so much. And Aaron is like, OK, listen, I, I know what's going on here. 
I know you're very troubled and I'm not angry. I just need you to give me my keys because I talked to Angela. And as soon as he like mentions Angela's name, Joseph just like sprints inside. He's just like, he is pissed. He runs down the stairs angrily. And so Aaron like approaches the staircase and he starts walking down and he went to the, when he gets to the bottom of the stairs, Joseph is there like standing in front of the door, wearing the peach fuzz mask with his like arms spread out, just totally blocking the door. And Aaron is like, are you going to let me go? Um, He just starts shaking his head and he's like, are you trying to scare me? And he, he just nods. He's like, okay, well, you're doing a great job. You're scaring the shit out of me. Now just like, let me leave. He just starts growling and like gyrating his hips in the most upsetting way. And Aaron just like lunges at him and tells him to stop it. And the camera goes out. And so the next thing we see is a shot of the woods. And there's like this grassy hill. And Joseph is walking up this hill with two like heavy garbage bags. And then he uh, gets a shovel and he just starts digging a hole. And so the camera turns around and we see that like Aaron is in his home filming his television. And he says that he got this DVD in the mail and he is like, this kind of seems like a threat. So he takes out the DVD and he throws it away. Later in the night, he turns on the camera again and he says that he's been having these crazy dreams about Joseph, that they're in the heart rock and they're sitting in it like it's a hot tub. They're both wearing peach fuzz masks, but his is like a, like a baby peach fuzz mask and they're drinking wine and they like pours the wine all over his head and in the dream his like hands are like covered in blood or whatever and so the next day he gets this huge package on his doorstep with no return address and he's like so I have a good idea who it's from he brings it in and he's really conflicted about opening it and when he finally decides to do it um he pulls out this shiny kitchen knife and another dvd And he pops in the DVD and it's Joseph saying that he's very sorry about the last video because, you know, it was a little manipulative, but it's fair game because he drugged him and he found the empty Benadryl bottle. Um, And in the video, he's like, I'm sure you found obviously the DVD by now, but you should dig deeper into the box. And when he digs deeper into the box, it's like a stuffed animal of a wolf. And Joseph is saying like, I've always loved wolves because they love so deeply, but they're often like violent and can accidentally like murder the things they love. Um, And its heart is so misguided. And I encourage you to embrace your inner wolf and take that knife and dig it into something because what you find in there could be beautiful. And so he like starts like ripping open the stuffed animal and inside of the stuffed animal, (laughs) it's a fucking heart shaped locket with pictures of each of them inside Joseph and Aaron and it's engraved J and a forever, you know? So Aaron calls the police and he's like, listen, I don't know this guy's last name and the cabin that we were at apparently is just a rental, even though he acted like he owned it. Um, but like, he's obviously threatening me, (laughs) but the police can't really do anything. You know, they're pretty fucking useless. So he hangs up angrily and later that night, he's still having nightmares. So he's he's filming himself and he hears like a sniff or an inhale or something and then like a loud bang. So he turns on all the lights and he grabs a knife and he's like wandering around the house 
trying to make sure it's safe. And what we can see, but he cannot see, is Joseph standing right outside of the back door, just like staring straight into his house. And he disappears, right? Um, But then, like, Joseph grabs the camera and he starts slowly, like, walking outside through like tall bushes and shrubbery and he sees his trash can tipped over with garbage everywhere and so he like blames it on raccoons and figures you know that that's all it was so later we see the camera turns back on and we see Aaron sleeping but someone is behind the camera because it moves it 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 zooms in like on his face and then it like goes down his whole body we see his like feet And then we see the person behind the camera cut off a little lock of hair with these like big pink scissors. And then when the video starts again, it's Aaron talking to the camera and he's like, the last couple nights have been fine, but now this, um, and it's like the bug screen by his bedroom window has like been cut open and like there's a DVD just like sitting right there, like on the inside side of his window He's like, so this happened. You know, someone got <laughs> right next to where I was sleeping. Um, and so this DVD shows Joseph uh, with the with the locket. He's like, I'm I can't believe you did this. You know, I, I, I don't know why you would have thrown this in the trash. This is just so disrespectful. And I've had some really bad thoughts and really like bad desires in response to this. And, you know, I want to be truthful with you. There's always been something wrong with me. I've seen a lot of doctors, nothing has ever helped. And I've burned bridges with everyone I've loved. And I really want to just talk to you and explain things to you, or at least just like get some closure between us. And I want you to meet me here at Lake Gregory. And he starts filming the lake where he's at. And he's like, it's totally public and open. And I just want a chance to show you who I really am. Because I'm a sad and lonely person who really needs a friend. And you're my only chance. And for some reason, (laughs) this like works on Aaron. He's like, shit, you know, what am I supposed to do? He's so sad. So he goes to the lake. (laughs) He sets his camera down. He says, like, he's filming this for his safety. He set his speed dial to 911, and he leaves the camera, and he goes, walks a couple yards ahead to sit on this bench by the lake. And it's, like, surrounded by trees, but also, like, you can see, like, homes in the trees. Like, it's, it is public. Like, someone would be able to see him. But he's just sitting there, waiting, and we slowly see Joseph approach from behind. And he's carrying the mask. He puts it on and he just stares at him for a while wearing the mask. And then he pulls out an axe and he just like slowly approaches him from behind and raises it up and he brings it down just right on his head. And then he goes to take a second swing and that's when the video just stops. And then we see Joseph filming himself and he's like, Aaron, you know, you were really smart to to be prepared to call the police and to film the whole thing. Um, but you never turned around. And that was so stupid of you. Like, why, why would you never turn around? And I realized that you never turned around because you're the best person in the world. And you believed that I was good and you trusted me. And that's why I will always love you. And you will always be my favorite of them all. And he turns the camera back around where he's just watching the lake video And then he pops into the frame of the lake video and scares himself. 
And then he's just walking through his house. He's walking up the stairs and he's like answering a phone call. He's like, hey, yeah, this is Bill. Um, yeah, the job is simple. I just need you to have a video camera and eight hours of your time. And like as he's having this conversation with his next victim, he opens up this closet and it's just full of VHS tapes and DVDs with different names on them. And he just he puts Aaron's DVD in there and he's like, I'll see you tomorrow, buddy. And then the title screen comes up and it's just creep. And it's just so perfect. It's a perfect, well-rounded story about a fucking serial killer. And that is just my absolute jam. <sighs> that actor was just incredible <laughs> on the edge of my seat the entire time. And I know that there's a sequel. I know that there's a creep too. And I know that I've seen it. And I know that I liked it, but I really don't remember any details about it. But looking on IMDb, the lead actor, his name in the second movie is Aaron, which would suggest that he like took the identity of the guy that he killed in this movie, which I think is, is, a, is a fun little twist. But oh my God, I love Creeps so much. That was just like a good time. And it's like, it's less than an hour and a half long. And it's... I, I don't know. That's what I love about found footage. You know, it can be used to, to just make things much creepier because it, it definitely like you have to put a lot more care in deciding like how the story is going to be told and by whom. And I don't know, like this, this is just one that did it so well because you could also like, obviously the budget was, was, was very small. And I love to see what people can do with a small budget, especially because like, yeah, we see the guy get axed, but we don't really like see anything else. But it's just it is so scary the whole time. But now let's get into Cloverfield. So I I'm sure I saw this movie like shortly after after it came out because I remember loving it as a kid. And it, it is a good movie. Like as far as like baby scary movies like this is a good one because it's 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 pretty tame in the grand scheme of things and also like you've got tj miller behind the camera narrating the whole thing with his like little quips and jokes to keep things light which is like <sighs> was annoying as an adult but I, it's also like it's one of those movies where when you watch it you don't realize like how many times you've seen it you're like oh i literally know every line of this movie <laughs> like I really knew everything that everyone was about to say and I haven't seen it in years but I definitely wore it out when I was a kid but Cloverfield has like turned into this like huge franchise and I think only the first one is a found footage because um a few years probably like almost 10 years later when 10 Cloverfield Lane came out oh my god so good I love that movie it wasn't found footage and I I don't know how you could have made it work as a found footage with the story that was told, but oh my God, fucking John Goodman, John Goodman, absolutely amazing. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, hello, absolutely obsessed with her. And I'm going to give a spoiler alert because I'm not covering this movie, but um, so like, <laughs> I feel like it's unfair to spoil it, but like the beauty of that movie is you go the whole time and and you're looking at John Goodman and he's scary and obviously abusive, but you're like is this guy crazy or is the world actually ending? And the whole time you're watching it, you think those are the only two possible outcomes. And then you get to the end and it's like, oh, fuck. It is both. It is simply both. Um, so 
But I haven't seen any of the other installations in the franchise. Like there's a uh, Cloverfield Paradox movie that's like on Netflix. And also the Cloverfield Files, which is like a short film, which I've never seen. So I don't know. I'm interested to see what they did with those. But the original Cloverfield in 2008 was like... I don't know, like, I, f- I feel like 2008 found footage was still, like, a pretty new, like, subgenre, but uh, because it's, like, a big, like, alien monster movie set in New York City, it's obviously, like, a huge budget film, so it's, like, the found footage aspect of it, I don't know if it was the best route in the storytelling, but I, I don't know, I guess it works. Um, so... And it's cool that, like, the way it starts because, like, we, like, this screen just is, like, property of the United States government, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, like, the first thing we see, and there's, like, a, a timestamp in the bottom of it, so it's, we know, we know where we are. Um, and it's, like, late April, and we're in this big-ass New York City apartment, like, overlooking Central Park. And it's like, fuck, whoever lives here is rich. Um, But the narrator of the video says that this is Beth's dad's place. And so he goes into the bedroom and there's a naked woman on the bed. She's like barely covered with a sheet. And he like goes to wake her up. And, you know, I guess he's being cute or whatever. And they eat this giant bowl. Like this is the one... (laughs) Besides the like Central Park apartment, which I guess, of course, you know, if... if, (sighs) If you're going to set a movie in New York City, it bodes well to at least have one person who's stupid rich. Because it just, it that's just, that's <laughs> just the only way you can see New York in a, in, a, in a flattering light, really, is if you have, like, at least one rich friend. Um, but the thing that really takes you out of it is, like, they're eating strawberries and blueberries out of this giant bowl. And so you just have to assume they're filled with berries. And it's like, that's that's a lot of berries. Like that's, that's a, that's a rich person amount of berries. So anyway, they're in bed. They're just being cute with each other or whatever. And they're talking about how she's never been to Coney Island. And he's like really excited to take her. But then the video cuts and the timestamp shows that we're about a month later. And there's a different guy behind the camera and it is the first guy's brother. And he's following this girl through the city, who I suppose is his girlfriend. And she's, like, charging him with taking testimonials of everyone at this party that they're throwing for his brother. And so as soon as he, like, can, he hands off the camera to this guy named HUD, who's played by T.J. Miller. And he makes him do his job. And so we find out that uh, the brother, his name is Rob, he's leaving for Japan for a job or whatever. And so... Um, HUD is taking a testimonial of the brother's girlfriend, Lily, and he, and by the way, Lily is like one of the most gorgeous women I've ever seen in my life. She is stunning. I am obsessed with her, but, um, HUD doesn't really care. He is immediately distracted when, uh, one Lizzie Kaplan arrives at the party. Um, her character's name is Marlena, but she's just very, you know, Lizzie Kaplan. She's dark and she's moody and she's a little rude. Um, but this guy is like very into her and pretty much doesn't stop hitting on her the entire movie. And he like puts the camera in her face and tries to get her to do a testimonial. And she's like, listen, I don't even really know Rob. So I don't think that this is like right to do (laughs) or whatever. But anyway, 
Um, so it's a surprise party. They're all waiting for Rob to get there. When he gets there, you know, they like jump out and say surprise. And Rob asks someone if Beth will be there. And they're like, yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't she be? Um, but then she shows up in this like sparkly dress and she has an escort, this guy named Travis. And like, no one knows who he did, who this guy is. But the tape keeps like cutting back to a month before when they're like on the train to Coney Island. And it's like, Rob and Beth seem pretty goony eyed. So like, what happened? I don't know. But HUD spies on them like arguing outside and Beth is like, we haven't talked in weeks. And then Lily reveals to Rob and the brother or no, not Rob. Lily reveals to HUD and the brother that Rob and Beth had slept together a couple weeks ago. And so HUD goes around spreading this to the entire party because apparently they'd been friends for a really long time and everyone is like really gagged that they slept together because apparently Rob also like never called her back. So I don't know why he's so moody and shit right now, like mad that she showed up with an escort, especially when he's like leaving for Japan. Also, it's like, imagine this. Imagine you sleep with your guy friend for the first time ever and you wake up and he's got like this old like video camera in your face like that's like the kind of cutesy shit you do with someone that you've been dating for a while it is very weird (laughs) to imagine that he just like filmed this girl that he just slept with it's like what are you doing with that like who is that for like like if you didn't want people to find out that you slept together why would you like take video footage of it I don't know that just seems like creepy to me that's like weird when you find out (laughs) the semantics of their relationship it's it is like weird but i the way they like intersperse the footage i guess is like a kind of interesting but anyway i just i once you learn this i'm like i don't really care about this rob guy he seems kind of like a weirdo in my opinion but anyway so rob and his brother and hud are out on the fire escape and they're they're talking about this and rob is like what am i supposed to do i'm leaving for japan and they're like well she's like always loved you so it's like if you wanted to stay like you could stay and he's like well obviously I can't do that but while they're outside shit starts going south so they're on this fire escape and like something happens it like seems like it's an earthquake the entire city goes dark but then like the lights slowly start coming back on and everyone goes inside to look at the news and they see that like an oil tanker has capsized right near the Statue of Liberty. And, you know, they're saying they think it was an earthquake, too. So everyone goes up onto the roof to like see what's going on. But they see like this huge explosion. And then they see like fireballs start coming in their direction. So everyone like rushes inside and then goes downstairs and then outside again, which I know I understand. I'm sorry. Um, but no, they go outside onto the street to see what's going on. And we see like the head of the Statue of Liberty like crash down onto the street. Like we see this like huge boulder shit like just pummeling pummeling down the street. And then when it stops, we like realize that it's the head of the Statue of Liberty, which I know was like the shot, like this as far as like shots go was like the pride and joy of this film, especially because like the cover of the movie is like the headless Statue of Liberty, which I do think is interesting and impactful. I just kind of think they revealed it a little bit too early. I think, I I feel like that would have been a bigger moment with more impact if it had happened just like a little bit later on. But I don't know. It is crazy that like, you know, you're in mainland Manhattan and something from an island like a, like a mile away has now like crashed onto the streets. It's just like I get it. But I also think it, it could have happened later in the movie. But I also don't know like 
win, you know? Um, but anyway, so then they see something like slithering around a building, something that looks a little bit like a monster. I don't know. We don't know what's going on. But then we see like a building totally go down, followed by like a huge dust cloud. And like everyone runs into this convenience store to hide until it passes. But like Marlena doesn't make it. So when they make it outside again, she's like looking rough. She's like covered in dust and like her hair's all in disarray. And she looks like she's seen a ghost. And there's just rubble and dust and cars turned over everywhere. And Rob is like, we need to get the hell out of Manhattan. Let's go to the Brooklyn Bridge. But like in my opinion... You should have headed for New Jersey because, like, I know the Brooklyn Bridge is way more iconic, but I don't know why they would think the bridge is going to be safe when, like, they saw that thing, like, capsize in the water by the Statue of Liberty. Like, I th- there's, you'd think at least one person would think, okay, that thing came out of the water, so maybe we don't go on to a bridge. Like, very foolish. I would have gone to the middle of Central Park and just started digging a hole. I don't know. That's what I would have done. So, of course, like, half of Manhattan is on the Brooklyn Bridge right now. And in the middle of the bridge, Rob gets a call from Beth. And so he's, like, trying to talk to her. And all he can really hear her say is that she can't move. And so things on the bridge start getting hairy. Jason, like, climbs up this little thing to, like, get a view of, you know, everybody to try. Because, like, they're all kind of getting separated in this, like, ambush. And so Jason, like Rob's brother, he like is, is trying to see everyone. And so he, he like gets up onto like the bridge a little bit and we see him up high. But then at this moment, like this huge tentacle comes out of the water and like crashes down like right on him and takes out like half the bridge. And so everyone starts running to the opposite end of the bridge before it just like fully collapses. And so this was like Lily's boyfriend and Rob's brother. So when they make it to safety, they're like catatonic they just they don't know what they're gonna do and hud and marlena are trying to like pull everyone together because they're like listen we gotta keep moving but rob like knows that beth is stuck somewhere so he's he wants to like figure out what's going on with her so he runs into a tech store because his phone has died so he goes in to like steal a charger and like there are people like looting all around them but then they like see on the tv like the footage of that like tentacle like taking out half the bridge um And then they see, like, they have footage of, like, the big old monster, like, in the middle of the city. But, like, these things are coming off of it. Like, these, like, these, like, baby bugs are, like, going off of it and just, like, skittering away. Um, Very creepy. And so Rob is, like, trying to listen to his messages. And he, he listens to the one from Beth that says, like, half of her apartment fell on her and she's bleeding and she can't move. And whole time I'm thinking, like, I know they're going to get underground eventually, but they're not getting underground soon enough. If the shit is happening happening on street level, you get into the fucking subways. Like, obviously, they're not going to be running. That's what makes them safe. You get into this fucking subway and you hide it out. I don't know why they haven't done this sooner. Because, like, in reality, that is where everyone would be. Every Sooner people would be hiding out underground before they go to the Brooklyn Bridge. That's all I'm saying. And so the military is like roaming the streets, trying to fight this giant monster to no avail. Um, but then they, they finally do it. They, they finally get down into the subway, but no one else is down there. And that's the thing is like people would be down there um, and they can't go back up because things are crazy. Like the military is like firing and monsters are roaming and they're just like, we're not going up to that crazy shit again. And so they kind of resign themselves to being stuck there. And it's like, the tunnel is right there. Get your asses into the fucking tunnel. But um, 
Rob's mom calls him because obviously she knows what's going on in the city. And so he takes this call from his mom and he has to tell her that his brother just died and it is very sad. And so, you know, they take a beat to, to, to be sentimental and stuff. But then, you know, Rob get, comes to his senses and he's like, hey, this is the six train. We can just walk the tracks all the way up to 59th Street to get the best apartment. It's like, yes, duh. Walk the subway tunnels, like get your asses in there. Um, so they're in the subway tunnels for a while, just like walking the tracks. And at one point, all the rats start running in like the same direction and they're like okay shit the rats are running we probably need to start running too so they start picking up the pace and then they see one of those buggy things crawling on the ceiling and like they like each get attacked by it but some of them worse than others marlena gets like this huge like bite slash scratch thing like she gets it's like these huge like perforated uh like wounds like in her back just all the way down and like around her neck it's just like awful but they find their way into this like little mta break room and they sit for a second um and then they decide that they need to like get into the train station and and make their way back onto land so they find their way into the train station and we see that they've made it all the way from spring street to 59th so they've they've covered some some good ground um and this is like where they need to be to get to Beth's apartment. So there, it's like the subway station where that's connected to like this department store area, right? And as they're walking through it, like Marlena is not doing well. well. Like she's getting pale and she like can barely move. And suddenly like they're approached by these military guys and they get like rushed out. And right on the outside, it's just like covered in medical tents. Like ev- people everywhere like are hurt. And they're trying to get everyone on, like, an evac chopper. But Rob is like, no, you don't get it. Like, my girlfriend, or not even his girlfriend, I don't know what he calls her. But he's like, she's near here. I need to go get her. And we see that Marlena, like, she started bleeding from her eyes. And, like, when, like, the people in the medical tent see that, they're like, we've got a bite. And they rush her away behind this screen. And then we just see this, like, explosion of blood and guts. And we're just like... We don't know what happened, but Marlena is no good. And so they start freaking out and the army guy, army guy is like walking him out and he's like, listen, I'm not going to stop you. But like the last rescue chopper leaves at six and here's where to meet him. So fucking good luck because we've been told that we need to let this entire area go. And they're like, what central park? And he's like, no, all of Manhattan. And so they go on to save Beth and they, they get to the street and there's just like this sad horse with a carrying a buggy with no people on it. It's just very weird. And then they finally see Beth's apartment building and it's like, it's completely fallen over onto the building next to it. So they decide that what they're going to do is they're going to go up to the roof of the uh, building that's still intact and find their way onto the roof of the, of Beth's building, which is like half crashed down. And so they walk up like a million flights of stairs and then they like get to the roof, which is very scary because they're very high up and like, you know, not on steady footing. Um, But they find their way down to Beth's apartment and Rob like kicks the door in and, you know, half of Beth's apartment is now just like open air. Right. And she has this thin metal rod just like pierced right through like her 
chest like it's not even like her shoulder like it's actually her chest like barely missed her heart and so to get her unstuck they have to like pull her off of the rod so they like have to all like work together to lift her like straight up through the rod and like I'm not a doctor but I'm pretty sure (laughs) that like in that scenario best case would be to leave the rod in but they did not do that so I feel like you know Beth is really like racing against the clock at this point and so they're like carrying her out and you know now they have to go across the roof back into the other building and when they're like over New York City and they can see everything they see the like monster alien making his way through the city and it's just like a big old alien dinosaur guy and you know they keep firing missiles at it to no avail like it's just like water off a duck's back you know nothing is nothing is phasing this thing and so finally they make their way to the chopper and Lily gets on the first one all alone like they're you know a bunch of military people are in there but like Lily gets on and she's like the only one that gets away and so Rob and Beth and Hud wait for the next one and they load in and we get that nice aerial shot of this monster again just like pounded with bombs and then it goes down for a second and they're like oh shit yay but then it bursts right up and hits the chopper that they're in so the chopper they're in starts spinning out and going down and then like from the camera we just see like a shot of like scrap metal and then Beth picks up the camera and she wakes up HUD and she she gets she's they're trying to pull Rob out of the chopper because like he's like stuck and so finally finally they're able to drag him out into the grass and it looks like we're in Central Park and Rob is like in a lot of pain and Beth and Hud start start walking him away and Hud goes back for the camera and the monster is just like right above him and it attacks him and then we see him laying unconscious and then Beth and Rob run to try to hide under one of those like those little like concrete bridges that are like all over Central Park and so they're under there they're just like sobbing they don't know whether they need to hide or to run and they hear the sirens like bomb sirens and we heard like on the radio a minute ago that like as soon as you hear like the sirens that means like the bombs are coming and if you can hear the sirens you're not in the safe zone and Rob films himself and he's like this is my name something attacked the city seven hours ago but now it's being bombed and we're stuck here and Beth films herself and she's like we're gonna wait until it passes and then like the the bridge starts coming down and rubble starts going everywhere and then the two like they tell each other they love each other which is like sweet like they finally got to say that to each other it was cute But then we cut back to a month before Coney Island, the two of them on the Ferris wheel. And, you know, Rob is like, what do you think? And Beth is just like, I had a good day. And then it's the end. And then the credits roll. And one thing I noticed about the credits, Lizzie Kaplan got top billing, which is interesting. Because aside from TJ Miller, biggest name in the movie, but she wasn't even in the whole thing. She wasn't the first one we saw and she didn't even make it till the end, but she got top billing. And I think that was very interesting. And I'm, you know, proud of her for being able to score that. But also like, I just thought that was interesting, especially because I think one of like the novelties of found footage, like Blair Witch Project, like you didn't know any of those actors. And I feel like when Cloverfield came out, we didn't really know any of these actors either. But at this point, TJ and Lizzie are like so famous that like 
the found footage doesn't even really have that effect, which I guess Mark Duplass is also pretty famous, but he just plays it so well that you like you don't even like think of him as that anymore. But Lizzie Kaplan, as much as I love Lizzie Kaplan, <laughs> Lizzie Kaplan is Lizzie Kaplan is Lizzie Kaplan in every role that she plays. Like she is always herself. So I don't know, probably not the best choice for a found footage casting but at the end of the day she did well I liked her a lot um the whole cast was pretty good it got pretty emotional and you know I liked it it was fun going back and rewatching it would I still count it as one of my faves probably not but it does make me want to watch Tin Cloverfield Lane because I tell you Mary Elizabeth Winstead she can do no wrong she cries so well I love her I want her to be in like every horror movie ever um so yeah, maybe I'll go do that to like cheer myself up. I don't know. Not to end on such a downer, <laughs> but um, I hope you ha- guys have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Okay. Um, bye. Oh, don't forget to, um, you know, rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I also have an Instagram at freaks in shrieks, F R E A K N no F R E A K S in s-h-r-i-e-k-s yes follow me on instagram i also had a twitter but now twitter is x and i'm just not on that shit anymore i cannot i'm i'm so fucking over it so i spend like all my day on instagram now so follow along we can have some fun on there um and and you just want a little visual supplement to go along with the pod um but yeah I, i guess that's all i have for you guys thank you for listening again um bye